Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your weekly source to keep you informed on everything about financing your home, where you will hear real facts, no BS. I'm your host, Jennifer Hernandez, a loan officer since 1995, and over 4,300 families financed to date. If you're starting to think about buying or refinancing a home, wonder if you have the right credit, savings, or even income, you're in the right place. On my weekly episodes, I make complicated topics easy to understand. By the way, my license is NMLS 514497. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and don't represent any legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's jump in. Welcome to another Loan with Jen podcast, real facts, no BS, everything about mortgage. Today, you are going to be listening to a webinar that I did with two realtors here in the Houston area. We're going to talk about the home buying process from start to finish. So if you're wondering what the steps are, we've broken it down into seven easy steps, all the way from choosing a realtor to starting your planning on knowing what you even need to know in the beginning, what you need to start thinking about, the pre-approval process, and also what happens when you go under contract. So it's a really comprehensive webinar. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. Okay. Hello, everyone. Good evening. My name is Linda Aber, and we're here so that we can have a little short webinar on having the seven steps to home ownership. So welcome everyone that came in. I'd like to introduce who's going to be with here with me here tonight. It'll be Sophia Lombardi, who is my business partner, Hello. and my favorite lender, uh, Jennifer Hernandez with Legacy Mutual. She'll be here as well too. And we're just going to go through some basic steps. You know, we'll answer some questions, and we're just going to kind of guide you through some of the simple processes that we'll go through when you're buying a home. And then if you have any questions, we'll stop. You know, at certain stop points to you know go ahead and answer some questions as we come along. So. If you don't know me, you know, uh, I introduce myself, Linda Aber. I am a native Houstonian. I was born actually in Heights Hospital a while ago. I attended the University of Houston. I'm a big supporter for U of H, and I do tend to support a lot of their alumni associations. I am a top producer in my office, and I'm also on this year on the board of directors, and I'm also the head of the culture committee. I am very proud to be the wife of uh, my husband, Jerry, and also very proud of the three adult children who were my clients and first-time home buyers. And also, Jen did all their loans as well, too. So that's also why, you know, she's so important to me. Sophia was actually not my business partner with the first two, but she was definitely there for me with my uh, last child that just bought a home recently. I am bilingual. I do speak Spanish. I do it very well. I know sometimes people are surprised by that, but I can help. I speak it very well. Jennifer is also a uh, bilingual as well and can help any client with uh, Spanish speaking. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. And then there we go. Off to you. And I am Sophia Lombardi. I am almost a native Houstonian. My parents immigrated to the United States when I was seven months old and they landed in Houston. And I uh, grew up in Bel Air, went to St. Thomas Episcopal and uh, where ironically my oldest son now teaches. And I went to the University of Houston for undergrad as well as law school. I practiced law for 10 years before I decided to make the switch to real estate, which was 
the best move I could have possibly made. And uh, my legal background certainly does lend itself well to uh, being a realtor. I have been a top producer with Keller Williams for over 10 years, and I am on the Associate Leadership Council, the ALC, which this year they're also calling the Board of Directors. I've uh, been on that. This will be my fourth year on that. I uh, currently live in Katy and am married to Peter. I have four kids, one that graduated from U of H, go Cougs, and three that unfortunately decided to go to a and <laughs> But well, I'm that. an Aggie. Hey, hey, I'm an Aggie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> we like the Aggies, too. Yeah, we do. All All right. <laughs> and I'm an active parishioner at Epiphany of the Lord Catholic Church. And I'm also um, an active member of BNI Parkway, Bis Parkway, Parkway Business Partners, uh, which is uh, a networking group that I've been involved in for about eight years now and uh, has been a really good thing for my business because it, it not only sends me referrals, but it gives me a you know, whole host of people that I can refer my, my clients to, whether it be a roofer or an electrician or an insurance person. Uh, I, I know people. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Yes. So let's start with the basic steps. You know, when we're going to go ahead and start in buying a home and it's, you know, we start developing a plan. And so we will sit down with you, you know, when you talk to us and we will say, okay, you know, what is your timeline? And we want you to, you know, the most of the interaction will be with your realtor. And I like to say that what we're doing is we're kind of your advocates for what you want. You know, we want to make sure that we are handholding you the entire process so that you are you know, feeling comfortable with it. And I always encourage any questions that you have to please go ahead and just ask them. There's, you know, nothing that's ridiculous or dumb or anything like that. We want to hear all your questions because yeah, there are no knowledge is, questions ever. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Exactly. And then after we've spoken with you for a little bit, then I highly will come to you and say, let's get you approved with a, you know, pre-approval with the lender. And I will give you a list of lenders and I, you know, it's the same when you're interviewing a realtor, I want you to interview your lenders too. It's completely fine to, to do that. And then we're going to go and we're going to look at homes. And one of the things that I will tell you is I will tell you to, you know, give me zip codes and to also tell me what are your strong, you know, your, your must haves, you know, not to get caught too much into the aesthetics, but really into what your needs are. And then we'll go in and we'll make an offer and negotiate, which is really our strong suit to come in there and negotiate what is best for you. And then we've, you know, while this is happening on this end, then simultaneously your lender will be sitting here finalizing your financing and making sure that everything is going according to plan. And we're working side by side, you know, to do this. And then as we get closer to knowing where we are with everything, then we just get to the end and we close on your new home. And it's just, that's kind of how we take it from A to Z there. Anything else, Sophia, that you might think that I might have missed? No, I think you covered it all. Okay, yeah. good. Yay. <laughs> so there I you go. I will say, I think it's important for everyone to know. I mean, there really is, it, it really is this simple. There is a lot of in between, but when you've got the right support between, you know, the lender and the realtor, that's where we see things just go really, really smoothly. Um, there is, there is a lot of in-between and that's what we're here to tell you all about. So you have a good global understanding, um, of this, of the process. So 
Yeah. So here is kind of our overview on what, you know, what we're going to do. We start with our research, you know, we get to know our neighborhoods. We, you know, you talk to your real estate agents, you look at your mortgage options, you know, we go through the pre-approval. This is really where you will sit there and you will do a lot of your own research, or you can do it with us as well, too. When you're looking at your neighborhoods, look what's important to you, you know, look and see if it's going to meet the needs of everything that you're going to do. Then, you know, reach out to your real estate agents and see, you know, what you're going to, you know, who you want to go. Talk to your friends, look and see, you know, who you want to talk to. Then again, explore your mortgage options and start to see what kind of mortgages will work for you. Because as you know, there may be different kinds out there that depends on, you know, what you qualify for or what you need. And then go through that pre-approval. And as we're doing all this, still start strongly considering what your needs are. You want to take the next one, Sophia? Sure. So okay. once uh, you have uh, decided what's most important to you, you know, uh, and like Linda was saying, you know, those big ticket items, you know, how many bedrooms do you need? Do you want to live in town? Do you want to live out in the suburbs? I mean, part of our job is to help you define and refine those preferences uh, because there's a difference between absolute must-haves and it would be nice to have, and we will help you with that. Uh, once we have defined those preferences, then Linda and I will set up searches for you on the MLS and we'll start sending you properties and listening to your feedback to further refine those those properties that we're sending you and when you find properties that you like then we will set up appointments so that we can go tour them you are also welcome of course to go check out open houses we can come with you to open houses but you're also welcome to check them out on your own that's a really good way to kind of get a feel for a neighborhood if you're not sure if you want to be in that neighborhood and uh, and also we we do ask if you go to an open house let that realtor know that you are working with the realtor, that you are working with Linda and me. And, and that way they will know that if there's any additional information that you need, that the, the, that realtor will communicate with us. Yeah. Um, then we get to the next part where it's like we put in the offer, you know? And then when we're putting in the offer, one thing that we will do as your realtors, we will pull the comparables. We wanna make sure that you are getting, you know, top dollar for what you're, you know, what you want. I know in the last few years, we've had that, those crazy markets where, you know, people are coming in over and asking, but the comparables are still important because it's part of that process when you, you know, depending on the kind of financing, you may need that appraisal. So we pull those to make sure that we are, you know, looking at reasonable numbers for you. And then we will go over that offer. We're going to draft that offer and we're going to sit there and we're going to talk and we're going to say, okay, what is it that you you know, want to offer, what are the terms? And we will discuss that with you in great lengths to make sure that we're meeting your needs. And then we go through the inspections and we, you know, go through that and we begin to negotiate for you. We'll look at that inspection report with you. We'll even attend your inspection with you and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll say, you know, what, what are the important things that we need to negotiate for you? And we do that. I mean, I can safely say that's one of my strong suits. I know Sophia and I are really good at that. And then once we can talk to the other agent and really reach a mutual acceptance, then we can sit there and we can, you know, come up with a, a plan and move forward to the home, you know? So that's where we are with the offer. Yeah. So once the offer has been accepted and we move on to 
closing, uh, there's a lot that happens between that offer being accepted and closing. And that's where really your lender starts doing all that work to get your financing lined up. In the meantime, we're coordinating getting earnest money delivered, option fee delivered. Uh, Linda already mentioned inspections. We will negotiate any repairs. Uh, and then title company that is they they start doing the title search. Uh, they're working with the lender to you know get everything uh, set up so that everything goes smoothly and we get to the closing table and then we get that those magic words clear to close or CTC comes through to our uh, text message or through our email and we know that we are ready to close. So let's go a little bit for starting to develop that plan for you. One of the things that I find very important is to find your potential timeline, which is on our next slide. Um, you know, we, we start to figure out what it is buying versus renting. A lot of the times with the first time home buyers, if you're already leasing a place, you know, we find out when is your lease up? When is your apartment lease up? And we've, we work that timeline to make sure that it works so that you're not overlapping. At least I know that that's something that's real important to first time home buyers that we sit there and we're like, okay, so if your lease is ending like in April, then we know that we need to start looking in February because we know that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of looking. And again, I do encourage you ahead of time to go to open houses so that you can get an idea of what you're going to like already in advance. And so, you know, we define that timeline and we work to make sure that all your financials are in place to work with that timeline. If you're going to need a little bit longer, then we discuss that as well too and say, okay, we're looking six months from now. Then I put the guidelines of what you need to be working on in those few months. And I do check in with you to make sure that we are, you know, hitting those marks as we need to hit them. And then we discuss later the types of homes that you're going to be looking at, because there's several types of homes out there that are very different. You know, we're looking from, you know, single family to condos to townhomes. And because they all have different you know, requirements, you know, from either your lending, you know, there's HOAs, then we discuss what it is exactly that meets those needs. I, I know that a condo, some people don't like condos, but other people really like them because they cover a lot of things. And if you're looking for low maintenance, that just may, you know, that may work for you. So we, we do some, uh, we question, you know, we, we talk about what some of the things that you need to consider. You know, we talk about, um, we, we talk about like your distance from work. We want to know, we want to make sure that, you know, you are finding the home that is going to meet that. And it may not be a, a thing right now, you know, with COVID, it may have been one of those things that just doesn't require anything anymore. And then we talk about how long do you think you're going to be in this home? I always say, you know, this is not your forever home. This is the the stepping stone to your next home. But remember that you're putting in equity into this and that it's okay, you know, if this is going to be a home for, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, how long do you see yourself in this home? And we discussed that a lot. And today with working from home, I also discuss what your space looks like to you. Are you looking for uh, more work at home? Are you looking for do you need space for your dogs? You know, we, we talk about all of this. So you need to work with this. And we discuss that as we're looking for homes. And then I talk about your neighborhood. You know, what do you want from your neighborhood? 
the beauty of Houston is that depending on what you want, you can meet those needs. I mean, if you're looking for horses, we can go far west. If we're looking for an area where you want to be more near the arts, well, then we can look at Midtown. There's so many ways that we can work with the city of Houston. And we ask you what features are important to you so that we can, you know, find the area that may work with that. I also ask, uh, you know, do you want to live where you play? That is, believe it or not, one of those things that is very important to people. They do want to live where they play. I've had a client that said, I want to live near this one bar. And we found a home near that one bar because he said he was there so often. And that's exactly where he, and he's happy as can be. And we talk about school districts, you know, even if you don't have any children, the school districts do play a matter in the home because it's part of your resale value. If you're, and, I, and again, it also makes a difference on price. Uh, in Spring Branch, you know, you cross over one little area, you're talking Spring Branch versus HISD, and that makes a difference on the price of the home. So, you know, school districts does play heavy into the purchasing of a home. So these are all the questions that I ask you to consider when we are looking. So. Any questions so far on what Any I've discussed? Questions? Silence. I guess we answered all their questions, Linda. Y'all can chat them if you want. I'm watching the chat or okay, you can just unmute yourself, whatever you want to do. I'm going to let Sophia take step two. Okay. <laughs> so what's our next? We do, we do this a lot. We play against each other and we yeah. do, um, we work. <laughs> really well talking to each other. The next one oh. is... Oh, we so have a question. question. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Per perfect. Um, Can you explain the importance of equity a little further? Okay. So yeah. when you own a home, you know, you're building equity into your home. You know, it depends on how much you put on the home. You know, if you put 20%, that is your home. So like in an example, like a $100,000 home, this is a home now that you've built this equity. You have it now. It's part of you so that when you resell your home, that's money, you know, as you're paying it, like five years from now, the home can, will appreciate you've, or, you know, you've put your money towards it. So when you choose to resale, now you have money into your home that when you sell, you can, you know, it's your investment and you can now turn that money toward, you know, roll it towards your next home purchase. Does that explain it? I try to keep things a little simple. Linda, do you mind I if don't. I kind of go from an appreciation oh, no, please. point? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, let's pretend that you buy a house for four hundred thousand, and you buy it for four hundred. You can put as little as as a first time buyer three percent down. You don't have to do the twenty that Linda mentioned. Some people decide to do that much. Some people uh, just want to do the minimum. You can do three percent more. Let's just say you do because I can do that easy math at this time of night, 5% down, okay, which is $20,000. Um, so that's your initial investment. But as you go through time in Houston, average appreciation or increase in value is anywhere from three to 5%. Just don't think about all that obnoxious numbers from 2021. That wasn't normal. It was kind of a one-time thing, but things are leveling out. Things are just normally going at a pace. So three to 5%. So let's say you buy the house at 400,000 next year, it's probably going to be worth 5% more than that, which is an extra 20,000. So now it's worth 420. And then the year after that, it would go up another 5%. Now it's at 441. 
So the third year, let's say it goes up another 5% in value. And that's just the dynamics of the market, people buying and selling and the value trickling up. So in the third year, your value is essentially 463 if we keep it with the 5%. So that's what appreciation means. And so you're building equity because you started with a $380,000 loan with just a $20,000 investment. You, it was a $400,000 house. You put $20,000 down. So your loan was 380. So now that money that's accumulated, and let's say that you go to sell, let's say in three years, you need to sell, you job transfer or whatever it is. And the house is now worth 460. It's just easier math, right? So 460, essentially that 60,000 that it's appreciated in the last three years, and let's say you sell it for 460, you're going to get all that difference between your loan and what you sell it for. Now there'll be costs in there to sell it and, you know, realtor fees when you sell it. But let's just say right now that just to give you the concept that that's that. It, does that help explain it as well? I hope it does. Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay, cool. Okay. And there is another uh, another good yeah. question by Chris. If yeah. I'm looking to rent out my home in the future, what's the best way to do research to compare what I would pay in mortgage and fees versus potential future rent? So you're asking for like how much the potential rent would be? I'm trying to understand the question. So, so we would do that. So a realtor would sit there and pull the comparables in your area to find out, you know, what homes are renting for, what's been the last six months. And we would give you that. Uh, and that would be based on now. I mean, we can try to extrapolate into the future, but we're limited. I mean, we're not, we can't look into a crystal ball, but we can definitely tell you what's going on right now in the market. And then, you know, hopefully. And one of the things that I saw yeah. as a trend, sorry for interrupting you, Sophia. Yeah. One of the things I saw as a trend um, in rentals, you know, people are asking for long-term rentals, like two years, and they're writing it into the contract that they will charge a certain rate for the first year and it'll go up 5% in the second year, but it's still locked in for two years because they are anticipating how rent is going up. So there's, you know, you can also go ahead and put that into your lease if you're trying to go for a long term, but people like renting for longer periods of time where it keeps their rent because apartments tend to really, truly raise up your rent a lot. So they like, so it kind of works out better that fix way. Fix it in. Yeah, mm -hmm. fix it in. And, and then, then, then I signed it. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Well, go and ahead. from the mortgage perspective, you would just calculate what the mortgage PITI is. That's where you could get, you know, you could get information from us. We could build you a spreadsheet. You can play with the what the payments are at different levels and then use that and combine that with the market data that Linda would get you and be like, okay, this would be my monthly payment. This would be my rent. Does it offset? You know, does it offset? Does it not? Am I going more for the appreciation? I mean, sometimes rent, doesn't always sometimes it's break even but you're you're banking on the future appreciation in an area mm -hmm. and that's worth something as well um correct so you just have to look at all those market dynamics and you can look at trend you know linda can pull trends of what appreciation has been over time in a certain area and the trend of 
how those things are appreciating and, you know, more than just payment and okay, am I getting rent over the payment? What's that appreciation going to be over time that that's, you know, maybe it's an area that's appreciating more than 5%. It's over time, it's been appreciating 10 or 12%. I mean, there are areas like that, especially in the lower price ranges. Yeah. Cause when you look at historical averages, the appreciation is normally between three to 5% per year. Mm-hmm. That's just historical. Yeah. But like, you know, last year we had appreciation of over 20% in Katy. Mm-hmm. That's but very There are some areas. I mean, yeah. there are some areas that just pockets, depending on where you're looking, Chris, that are appreciating faster. Yeah. You know, that the average for the city is three to 5%, but then there's other areas that are higher. So you would just have to take all those dynamics into consideration. Does yeah. that help answer? Absolutely. Yeah. And then to answer the second question about whether you should still use a realtor if you're looking for a duplex or a quadruplex, I mean, definitely. Uh, You never want to go into these transactions without representation. And and remember, it's the seller that's paying the commission. So you're getting the benefit of having an advocate and it doesn't even cost you anything, but it could cost you a lot if you don't have that advocate. So you definitely want to have somebody. And, uh, you know, and a duplex or quadruplex, that's something that we as residential realtors, I mean, we we're qualified to help you with that. If it gets into a larger property, you know, if like you wanted to buy an apartment complex, that's where you would need to get somebody who's familiar with commercial involved, which we could also refer you to. Okay. Does love spreadsheet. So, and that leads us into connect with the realtor. Connect with the realtor. Yeah. So, so once you've decided that you're going to move forward with purchasing a property, uh, your next step is to connect with a realtor, to find a realtor that you want to work with. And uh, um, can you go to the next slide? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so seven reasons to use a realtor, and these are really good reasons, is first of all, we do this every day. We buy and help people buy and sell properties every day. So we have the license, we have the education, and we have the experience. Most uh, of y'all, y'all have either never bought a property or you may buy a property once every seven to 10 years and while we're doing it every way, so every day. So let us be your advocate. Let us be the expert that is going to help you through this entire process. We have an understanding of the market value. We can go into uh, the, the recent sales. We can put the, the comparable sales together and give you our opinion as to what would be a fair price to pay for this particular property. We go through and make sure that all of the documents are in order. And there's a lot of contracts uh, that, that uh are out there that need to be signed, need to be filled in correctly. And uh, that's where like my legal background really helps because I can explain things to you at a different level than, uh, than the average realtor can and, um, and make sure that all those documents are, are in order. Um, networking. We network with other agents. So we may be able to find you properties that are not on the market yet and get you in before they hit the market. And you might be able, like last year or the year before, that was a really beneficial way to help our buyers was to hear through the grapevine that there was something coming on the market because otherwise you're competing with 20 other offers 
And uh, that way you could maybe be the first one in and get that property. Uh, we negotiate for you. We are your advocate. We have been trained by our broker and with all the classes that we take, how to negotiate and how to get the best terms for our clients. And that is what we fight for, is for what is best for you. Convenience. We, we basically take care of everything. We're the ones that are doing all the running around, all the research, all, you know, making sure that you're getting the properties in your inbox, uh, setting up the appointments, uh, you know, just taking care of all of that so you don't have to deal with it. And bottom line, uh, I mean, again, we make sure that you are getting the best price for the property that you are purchasing. And remember that the seller pays the fee. So you are getting the benefit of having an advocate in your corner and it doesn't cost you anything. You want to add anything to that, Linda? Well, and I was going to say that, you know, a lot of people we know have tried to do this on their own. Those contracts that we're talking about, they change on a regular basis. I mean, we have new ones that are coming out February 1st and we're, as soon as they're changing, we have to, you know, we're required to change them as well with the client. And, and we are always, you know, learning to make sure that we're filling out everything correctly and everything in your best interest. And, you know, I cannot speak highly enough that there, it's so important to have somebody there for you, especially in such a, a big process, you know, in such a, a big, you know, milestone in your life. And I'm just so. going to, if, if I can invert just from a outsider perspective, as a, I see the back end when clients don't use a realtor, um, and it's very easy to assume that, oh, I'm going to just go directly to the seller or directly to the, the seller's realtor, and they're going to get me a better deal on the house. And that does, I mean, sometimes it might happen, but it is very rare. And we see what happens when the clients are confused. They're asking lots of questions. What about this? What about the inspection? And I'm not licensed, you know, lenders are not licensed to answer that. Like we cannot advise you on that kind of stuff. Um, and it's hard. It's hard because you have blind spots and you don't know what they are and you don't know how to proceed and you might be leaving money on the table and because you're, you're not familiar, right? So there's a lot of benefit. Uh, and it's very rare that we see, because we see what the appraised value comes in at and it's, there's not a bunch of space between what they're paying. And I mean, the seller, I mean, come on, y'all. The seller wants to pocket as much money as they can. They're not going to just go handing out freebies. I mean, they're looking out for themselves. And so you don't have anyone well, in your best then, interest. So. And in the state of Texas, because I've said this so many times to buyers, in the state of Texas, until you hire us and sign the paperwork to hire us, we are legally bound to represent the seller. You know? Yeah. And so Those we cannot... Yeah. Right. Not laws, rules of agency. So there is, right. if, there, if there isn't a written contract between you and your realtor, there is an assumption that we represent the seller. Mm -hmm. And that limits our ability to, uh, with what information we can share with you and, uh, you know, what we can tell you. It's so it, it is to your benefit to, to enter into that agreement. Have representation. With, with the buyer's yeah. agent. Yeah. So there's lots of realtors out there, ladies. So how does someone know who they should use as a realtor? Well, we tell them, to, I have said, interview your realtor, make sure that, you know, ask them about 
their experience in your area. I mean, I would not go down to sell in Austin. You know, you want to make sure you have that someone that's very knowledgeable of your area and set up interviews, you know, talk to, again, I say, talk to your friends, go and ask, you know, who did you work with? You know, who, who met your needs, who, who was good for you. And I, talk to them, ask them all the questions. It's okay. You're interviewing someone that is going to be there for you. So it's okay to ask some hard questions and ask them about their experience. And they should be able to tell you exactly everything. I mean, there's, if they're not answering all your questions, you know, then they're not answering questions about themselves and how are they going to be later about answering questions about a home? So I always say interview, you'll know right away whether it works or doesn't work for you. And then identify the availability, you know, see how they're working with you, you know, do your schedules align, do the needs that you both need are going to work, you know, do they text as much as you text, do they communicate, do they pick up the phone, you know, that, that is very important that your, your ways of working together do align. And then I'm real big on this. I will say, go read about me, go Google me go read the reviews on me because I'm, I have asked all my clients to give a review. And I, and I tell them, I was like, look, whatever you think of me, however it was to work with me, I want you to put it out there so that that way, the same way I told you to Google me, someone else can go and, and look and see what it was like to work with me and make sure that the person that you're going to work with is big on communication with you. Because if you're a realtor, I, I, this is an actual true story. We had a client say their realtor was, we were representing the seller and the buyers, they, the buyer said their realtor wasn't talking to them, was not communicating anything with them. And he heard more from the title company than he did from his own realtor. His realtor found it very transactional. That is not what you want when you're looking for a realtor. You want someone who's going to sit there and actually, you know, go through it with you. Um, I will say that I always, I know we do this on a day-to-day -day basis, but every time I'm doing this with someone, I consistently am reminding myself that this is your first time or this is your transaction. And I'm not going to say, oh, I do this all the time. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to treat it just as first as it is to make sure that you feel just as comfortable. Anything else, Sophia, that I'm forgetting <laughs> or that I covered all? Should I talk about Google reviews? <laughs> oh, let's talk about Google. Google me. Do Google not her. Google her. Don't Google me. <laughs> you don't have any Googles? So apparently I Google. Even though I have asked so many clients to leave me Google reviews, for some reason they don't show up. And Google has told me, yeah, it's a known problem. Sorry. <laughs> so if you want to see my reviews, go to har.com. <laughs> don't Google. It's true. <laughs> they apparent they're there and she can see them, but the public cannot see them. And it's, oh and we have given up asking to, and I did find out recently from another um, realtor that when she changed her address, because we've moved recently, then when she changed it, Google removed her profile or suspended it for a bit. So, um, yeah, so I'm like even hesitant to even change my address <laughs> because I like my Google reviews and I'm very proud of them. So I'm like, I'm just going to not touch it. So I don't want to get, you know, <laughs> removed somehow. So yeah. any questions on how to choose a realtor from anyone? 
though I have to say, I think everyone that's on here pretty much knows what I'm like. So <laughs> ask for referrals. Yeah. I mean, Linda and I, we both have built our business off of referrals. Uh, I mean, 90% of our business comes from referrals. So and we do give referral right. fees. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. So awesome. no questions. All right. So I'm going to now seriously introduce like the best lender. I personally love her to death because she has truly taken care of my babies. And if anybody knows me, they know how important my children are to me. And she oh, has, she helped all three of my kids buy their home and made it absolutely wonderful. So Christopher raised, Christopher yes. raised his hand. Chris, you have a question? I do. Um, Linda and Sophia, I have a question in terms of how specific someone who's searching for houses can get with you both what does that look like i mean if i kind of sit here and, and say hey i want a very specific no shared driveways rooftop deck you know minimum bedroom of x y and z space like is, is that unreasonable for a potential client or how does that work no it's not unreasonable no yeah. go ahead you go ahead okay so it's not unreasonable the, but the problem is, is that the problem is with other realtors because we are limited with our searches based on the information that the listing agent has put into the MLS. So what I do with my clients is I will set up a very specific search with as many of those search criteria as I possibly can, but that may eliminate a lot of properties that do in fact your, meet your requirements but because the other agent didn't put that stuff in there they're not going to show up so i'll do one very specific search but then i'll do another more general search so that i can sift through that or we can sift through that and uh and see if we can find some houses that just didn't have the proper search terms put in does that make sense Absolutely does. I have a follow-up question for those of us who aren't as familiar with the house purchasing process. What does like scheduling look like? I, I, I work, you know, multiple hours a day. How does that work with your schedules in terms of viewing houses? Um, what, what does that all look like from working with a realtor? So we can schedule, like we talk about that when you're interviewing. I ask a lot, what does your schedule look like? How available are you to look at homes? And this year I partnered with Sophia officially because we wanted to make sure that if, you know, we want to make sure you had that availability. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we tag team, one of us may show up, the other one may show up and we can go in different directions, but we are pretty flexible. The one thing that um, I've had to explain to some clients is that these uh, homes are on Supras and the Supra boxes, they only open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I can't go look at homes after eight o'clock if these boxes are limiting us. And you have to understand that those are those uh, parameters are put in place for safety because sometimes people live in these homes and they don't want somebody showing up after eight o'clock in their home. So that's why they're like that. But I have had clients that want to go at nine, 10 o'clock at night to look at homes. And I'm so, I, I say, I'm so sorry, I cannot do that. You know, and I fall back to that, that we just can't do it, you know, for that reason. If we can, we will do our best to work within your schedule. I mean, that is our, that's what we do. We do, we will work with it, you know, what, what we can. Does that answer the question? Yes. Good question. Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. So any others before we get on to the approval process? 
Okay. All right. So this is this is my favorite part. <laughs> it's so fun for me, the financing. So I'm Jennifer Hernandez. I'm an Aggie, class of 94. Um, I've almost since I graduated, I've been in the business since 95. So I'm dating myself, but I've been in the industry a long time, 27 years at this time. Um, I've been, I'm a hundred percent referral. So I'm super proud of that. And I'm just so honored that Linda has entrusted me with her children. I've worked with Sophia. I mean, we've, you know, realtors are the bread and butter of everything I do and then past clients as well. So about 60% realtor, 40% client. So, um, just used to high attention to detail because everything has to be perfect. We want you to be happy when you get those keys and happy home happy homeowners. Um, I have a team behind me. They they help me behind the scenes, and we just want to make it fun and streamlined and a really great positive process. Uh, this is my QR code. I'll have it at the end as well um, with all my links and any way to get in touch with me. Um, I do want to point you um, to my YouTube channel. So about three years ago, I started a YouTube channel because I just, I wanted clients to get real facts, no BS. There's a lot of, you know, you you search online and there's 10 to 15 pages of stuff that comes up and the first two pages are advertisements and nobody really knows what to click. So I thought, you know, what if I just put real tidbit facts out there. So I started just two videos a week, two videos a week, two videos a week. And, you know, 40 months later, I have 400 videos. Um, so I've got a lot of information that you could just at your own pace, digest um, some of the ins and outs of questions you might have about the process. So all my handles are loan with Jen. So feel free to to cruise around there. I do also have a podcast, Loan with Jen, as well. So if you like to listen to stuff instead of uh, doing YouTube, you can podcast us as well. Okay, so here are pre approval. Here's some facts about pre approving that might just bust some myths that you may have heard or, or think about the pre approval process. There is not a cost. The only thing that'll it'll cost you is your time. So time in gathering documents, time talking to the lender. Um, if you if you do if you don't if you have a lender that's pre-approving you and they've never talked to you, I would definitely get a second opinion. Like it's like going to the doctor for an annual physical exam and they never like touch you, like they never, they, you know, they don't touch your throat. They don't do anything. So it's the same thing. So do expect to talk to somebody to start getting information, getting to answer questions. But the only thing it'll cost you is time. There's no financial commitment um, for you to get pre-approved. Um, multiple credit checks will not harm your credit. So that is a myth. Uh, you're able to get 30, at, start, have a 30 day period where you can have any lenders check into your credit and it just counts as one pull. So that's that's a good thing that's out there. Um, applying with a lender does not bind you to a lender. So up until, even once you're under contract, I mean, it's not advisable that you change lenders, but if you chose a lender and 
you're like, God, this is just not going well. I need a second opinion and I'm not getting answers. And, you know, sometimes people change midstream. They're supposed to close in a few weeks and for whatever reason, they feel like they need to do what's best for them. So you can change lenders at any time. Um, so doing an application does not bind you to that lender, just so that's important to know. Um, by being pre-approved, you will be more prepared. You are not allowed, well, not that you're not allowed, but there's not a seller that's going to take your offer seriously if you don't have proof that you've spoken to a lender. So that letter that you're going to get, because when you're pre-approved, the lender is going to give you documentation. They're going to give you a letter. Um, and that letter is, it's almost like it's a little credit card with a super high limit on it, right? You're showing that your realtor is showing it when they make the offer that you've been checked out and you're okay to purchase up to this amount that'll be on the letter. Okay. So the terms are all be on there and all that good stuff. Um, and you get more, by, by pre-approving, you get more clarity on what you can buy, what your purchasing power is, what it's not, what your payments are going to be with current current rates and terms. And so the lender, expect that the lender gives you all of that information. So if they don't, if they just say, oh, hey, here's a letter and there's not much explaining, then that's definitely a sign that you should get a second opinion for sure. Um, the, the validity of the letter is really 90 days, um, credit and documents expire after a certain amount of time. So after 90 days, you will need to, you know, to freshen up the letter with the lender. Like with us, for example, we want to have a conversation with you, make sure nothing's changed. We may usually we'll have you send us an updated pay stub just to make sure, you know, year to date earnings look, everything looks fine. Um, we may or may not have to repull the credit. It kind of depends on the status of what your credit was when we first did it. Um, but then when you close later, like let's say you pre-approve and then you don't close for six months. At that time that you're under contract, we will have to freshen up the credit at that time. Um, and like I mentioned, you are required to have a pre-approval in order to make offers with, you know, with a, with a seller for them to accept your, your offer. Okay. I'm going to interrupt right here. And a, a couple of things, uh, Jennifer has, uh, many times for me, I've had buyers that like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to go Wells Fargo, or I'm going to go do with this. And then something starts to happen with the deal and it starts to not go well because the lender's not responding or something's happening. And she's jumped in and actually saved some of our deals an appraisal, there was a problem with an appraisal and they didn't do it correctly or something like that. And she has come and saved the deal and gotten the buyers to closing. That was the, one of the things I was uh, making notes on. And then the other thing that has been absolutely phenomenal and key in us getting the home is that the minute I have said, we are putting in an offer, I text her the address, I text her what the clients have offered she'll call the listing agent and she will tell them, she will vouch for you and say, they are well qualified. I've already done, I've already spoken with them. I've already done a background on everything of their financials and they're good to go. 
And many times, you know, they've taken the offer because they've heard from our lender. So that's key into some of the facts that she was, you know, putting out there. And to add to that, it's so important to have a lender that actually picks up their phone (laughs) and calls you back. Because when you're working with Wells Fargo, guess what? They work banker's hours. You're not going to hear from them after five o'clock. You're not going to hear from them on Saturday and Sunday. But Jen will be there. She's been there during Super Bowl. I called her during Super Bowl. We're both at Super Bowl (laughs) parties and our client decided at that moment. (laughs) Yes, at that moment. We're at different Super Bowl parties, like at, you know, different places. And of course that, why at that moment he decided, yes, I want to put an offer right now. And I'm calling her and she is calling the listing agent. I'm writing the offer and we got it. You know, so I appreciate that. Well, and some people that may be, thank you for that. Um, And some people may be watching this later. This is, we're going to post this on YouTube and they may be not here where I can help them here in Houston, but, um, but, but whatever lender you are going to choose, like Linda mentioned communication, like if you're not getting calls back, if you're not getting answers to your questions, if they're giving you the letter and there's like no conversation, they didn't. And if you're like, wow, this was so easy. Like, where's that little button? That was easy. You know, that little button, like that was easy. Like if you're telling yourself those things, like, wow, I didn't even have to give a pay stub. Like you, you need to worry. Like you want to be a little bit annoyed that you have to get all that stuff together. That's a good thing. (laughs) And so, you know, it, it does, it does take conversation time and that's how we avoid the potholes that can happen later on and do make sure like full disclosure on everything. Even if you think it's not that important, I don't think people mean to withhold info from us. I think they just don't know to bring it up. So we try to really ask a lot of questions. Um, But anything is as insignificant as you think it might be, you should bring it up just so that we know, because trust me, we're going to find out anyway. So you might as well just talk to us about it in the beginning Um, Because we're going to see everything anyway. We see your bank accounts. We see where you Venmo. We see, you know, not like we sit there and read it all day, but we're just looking for, do they have any payments that aren't on their credit report? And, you know, we look at the bank statements to see if you have any, not everybody reports to the credit bureaus. So we're looking for recurring payments that you might have to credit cards or loans that we don't know about. That's why we're studying your bank account, right? So you don't, you just don't innately know that. Um, And I want to add to that, that Jen is the one that's doing that. The lender is the one that's looking at your bank accounts, looking at your stuff. That's not being shared with your realtors. What's being shared with us is the terms of what you can afford and what you want to afford, you know, because even though you may be pre-approved for a higher amount, you may have that conversation with her and say, I really don't, my payment wants to be in this range. This is what I want to buy. And that's what she'll write your letter for. It's really... Those conversations are very, very different. We're having conversations about what your wants are, what we're going to do for you and helping you find, negotiate and get your home. She's going to have the financials, but those are not, we're not having privy. We're not seeing any of that. Your realtors are not seeing any of your, you know, bank statements, Venmo. That's all on that end with, you know, the lender. I'm glad you brought that up, Linda. Yes, because we're under, you know, we're under, fiduciary responsibility, definitely from a privacy policy standpoint. Um, and Linda never asked me and I would never tell her, <laughs> no. but she just doesn't. She's like, okay, are they approved? Or are they not approved? You know, is everything ready to go? So, 
Um, yeah, that is important for you to know that anything you share with us doesn't, it just doesn't leave our office. I mean, it's just internal. So, um, important to know. So I did want to mention, uh, credit inquiries. I, I put, I use this as my graphic because I was like, oh, that's pretty telling. It's all these numbers that nobody understands. Like that's kind of how I feel about credit sometimes. So there are three different bureaus. We pull from all three because some people ask me like, oh, what bureau do you use? And we use all three. And we use the middle of the three. We don't use an average. We use the actual middle score of the three. And if there's two borrowers, we use, we, we take into account for, for the pricing and everything of the interest rate, the lower of the two borrowers. So if one person has a 680, which is kind of a mediocre score, it's, it's okay. And the other person has a 750, we take the heaviest weight on the 680. And so, um, you know, sometimes we, we look at it and we'll, we'll suggest if we think that it'll make a big difference in the rate, we'll say, Hey, you know, we suggest that we do it just in this person's name. You can qualify with just their income because this person's credit is lower and it'll get you a better interest rate. So you know, we, we do suggest that as a lender, if we think there's a way for you to get, you know, better interest rate and better terms. Okay. But the credit score range is 350 to 850. Um, I've actually never seen in all the credit reports that I pull, I pull about 60 reports a month. So I guess you can times that by however many months I've been doing this. I've seen a lot of credit. Okay. And I've never seen anything below like a 420 because when it, when it starts to get that low, it just says not scorable. There's just no score. That's what happens when it's too low to even, you know, but um, I do want to say there's a lot of credit scoring models out there. So this is the number one discrepancy in information that we see is clients come to us knowing or think that they know what their credit score is and the credit score that lenders, mortgage lenders pull, mortgage lenders specifically, not any kind of lender, is different. There's over 25 formulas of credit and all lenders use the same one. That's how we can sell loans between each other is because we're using a consistent analysis, you know, a basis of analysis. So usually what you pull, you know, every bank is giving you value, like, oh, we'll give you your credit score. And you're like, oh yeah, let me check what it is. You know, or you subscribe to one of those online services and that's fine, but that's giving you just a generic view of your score. And so it's really important for you to know, we see differences all the time and there's no pattern. There's no, it depends which one of those 25 your bank is using, which one of those 25 credit wise or credit karma or whoever those people are, are using. So we find that the most similar score to what mortgage companies pull is myfico.com. So that's, that's kind of what we find, or you could just have the lender pull it. But, you know, I just wanted to point that out that that's another reason to go ahead and get pre-approved to know where you stand and know if you need to have some homework. Because I suggest pre-approving six months out because then you have time and 
three or four credit reporting cycles, if you need to manage your debt differently, a lot of people just don't know that how you manage your credit cards is one of the quickest ways that we can get uh, get some points up. And so we give you some credit homework and you could be a 719 and getting you to a 740 can make a difference of about a quarter percent interest rate for you. So it really does matter where your score is. And so let's check it out and just figure it out and get you some homework and see if there's some short-term you know, improvements that we can advise you on. So that's why I suggest you know, doing this as early as possible. And it doesn't cost you anything, just time you know, to get it done. Um, I know there's always lots of questions about credit, so I'm gonna take a pause really quick. Is there any, is there, I think I, let me see if there's a chat. Let's see, okay. Um, is there, are there any questions about credit? Uh, I have a couple, speaking of a lot of questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, so first off, hi folks. Uh, okay. Second, uh, I know one of the things that goes into uh, assembling that credit report is looking at your pay stubs and your work history. And oftentimes you're looking for about two years of history in a particular role. How does that affect either credit score or um, how your uh, 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 total value that you can be approved for is affected if you've recently changed roles in the last year? Yeah, you give me uh, actually a good idea for a video is, is does, does my pay stub affect, does my work history affect my credit score? So to answer your first question, your credit is only on the bills that you pay. So your, your, your job, even though your work is reported to the bureaus because you know, nice. to, to apply for any kind of credit, you always have to put your employer so we can see what employers you're you're claiming. But it your income is not there or anything anywhere. So it doesn't get reported. Like we never see that when we pull credit. We actually just see your your address history. Actually, we don't see your work history on the credit at all. So it's just your address history. Um so answering your question about work history, we're looking for two years history working. It doesn't have to be with the same job. Now, the exception to the two years is if you've been in school, we'll, you, we'll, we'll show a transcript or a diploma just showing that you were studying. And that is an exception to the two-year rule. Or if someone's been in a different country, for example, we can if we can verify that employment in that other country, sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, then we can use that to piece together the two-year history. Does that make sense? No Changing jobs is totally fine. Um, we're going to use the new job salary, not the old one. Yeah. Uh, as long as but it, it gets a little more complicated, but if, if someone's part-time or they go full-time to part-time, that actually can be an issue. Or if they go, if they go to be self-employed, like start their own business or whatever, then, then we have to start the two-year history all over again. But if you're just an employee W-2 and you switch jobs, easy breezy. Very cool. Does that work? Yeah. Most certainly does. And yeah, awesome. follow-up question, um, and this might just be me personally, but uh, if you're looking at buying a second home and that is intended to be a uh, income earning property, uh, 
to what extent does the value of that home and the value of your current home, how do those mechanically work together with uh, the terms of how much you'll be approved for? Um, well, that is a more complicated question, but in general, what we do is, is we take the, the payment on, it's all about just percentage debt to income. It's, mm -hmm. it's just your gross income. Uh, you can't exceed a certain debt threshold. Uh, usually total debt can't exceed 45% of your gross, but on the, on the rent, on the, on the second property you buy, which is called an investment property, because you're using it for investment, you've got to put 20% down on that property, property that you're buying to rent. And um, that rental income, we can use that to offset your payment. So it almost kind of neutralizes it because usually it's either covers it or, you know, a little bit of a deficit that we might have to count against you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's cool. not like you have to hundred percent carry both payments against your income. Does that make sense? That most certainly does. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank good questions. Um, Sherry has a question. If you haven't had a credit card for a long time, does that affect your credit score ability to purchase? Um, it depends because it depends what kind of other credit you have. Normally, if people are just starting brand new with very little credit, it usually takes six months. But if you have other credit that's established, a newer card, uh, a newer card does take away some points until you can prove yourself on an established 12-month paying history. But if you have other mature credit to stand on, then your score isn't affected as much. So it really depends, Sherry, on your on your mix of credit and other credit before this new credit card, if that makes sense. Um, sort of like a phone bill or light bill, things uh, like that? No, those things aren't reported to the credit score. In fact, lenders, that's a big um, trend that's going on. It's a big trend that there's a company or an app where you can I don't know, have your rent and light and all that that reports to the bureaus like self-reported utilities. Lenders actually do not like that because it manipulates your credit and lenders make us take that, get that stuff taken off so we can see what your like true raw score is because that stuff is, I don't know, they don't like us to have it on there. So most people don't really know that, the self-reported stuff. Um, but regarding the credit card, it just depends how that new card affects your credit score. You know, yeah. if it goes down, if it stays the same, if you have other strong credit to help, you know, pull it up. So that's, that's another reason to get pre-approved or check on my FICO. You know, that's the one I suggest mm -hmm. that you go to, to, to check credit. Um, you know, essentially a good place to be just as a general rule is above 700. Um, you can be lower than that and still get a loan because I'll talk about the the types of loans in a second, which is right here. So a conventional loan, that's the one that's sponsored uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac or these two entities. I compare them to the Apple iCloud. Like you don't really know who the Apple iCloud is. Like nobody really knows who Fannie Mae is either. It's like there's this thing floating out there. Well, they securitize these loans 
so that banks like Wells Fargo and Chase and us and whatever can go out and loan money because they're kind of like securing us on, on the back end. So a conventional loan, which has a max loan amount of 726,200 um, in our area is harder to qualify for. You really need credit in the 700s, really. With a big down payment, you can go lower than that, but really to get a decent rate and all that, 700s is the place to be. Now you can do an FHA loan, which is a federal housing administration loan. And that's a government loan. It's sponsored by the government, federal housing administration. And it's designed to be more lenient. It's more flexible on people that have lower credit. You can have down to like a 580 and still get a house. You can have where I, where I had mentioned to Camden, like you can't have more than 45% debt to income ratio, they go up to 55%, like super, super lenient. And some people need that extra nudge. And that's why FHA loans are out there for people that have, you know, have some tarnished credit and might need, might have more debt. They want to help make home ownership possible. And that has a max loan amount limit of 472. And then there's veterans loans. So you can, you can actually get a hundred percent veteran loan. If you're a first time user of the benefit for up to $2 million, it's like the best deal going. It's super cool. hundred percent loan. Um, USDA, those are department of agriculture. That's more in the outlying areas, like outskirts of town. Like just think the boonies that's probably USDA approved <laughs> so that you have to be buying in a certain very remote area. You can get a hundred percent loan. It's it is a little bit stricter to qualify. Like they require a lot less debt to income ratio because you're getting a hundred percent loan. Um, but for some people, it's a good it's a good option and a way to put no money down. And then there's what we call jumbo loans, like large, super large loans. People that buy you know million dollar houses, two million dollar houses. Those are uh, larger loans. So when the loan amount starts to go above that 726-200 amount, it's called a jumbo or non-conforming loan. Um, so those are the, the most typical. There are private loans out there for some special circumstances, but the, most people fit into one of these categories, mo most loans. Okay. Uh, the different property types, you know, Linda and Sophia touched upon it in the beginning. It's either a single family residence or it's a townhouse, which is, uh, you know, you usually have a very little piece of property, like your yard is like this big, but you do own the interior and the exterior. That's a townhouse. And then there's condos which you just own the interior walls. The outside is owned by a homeowners association. And that's where Linda talked about, there could be extra fees involved because there's like a monthly maintenance fee. So if you are looking for something that's like an apartment style, like a condo, whether it's high rise or not, but you just have to really look at those monthly fees because that does start to add to your monthly payment. Um, and that I actually need to change my slide because Christopher brought up a question. There is multifamily, um, which is one to anything one to four units or two to four, let's say two, three or four units, like a quadplex, a duplex, a triplex. Um, some people, it's kind of a fad right now, actually, where some people are buying property where they'll live in one of the units 
and they'll rent out the other two or three units. And you can get in on a FHA loan. I actually have a video about it on my channel. Just look up FHA. And with an FHA loan, you can put a 3.5% down payment on a two, three, or fourplex as long as you're living in one of them. And it's a way to get into an income producing property with little, little money down. It's 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 a good deal, but <laughs> there's not that many fourplex. There's so many people that want to do this and there's only so many fourplexes in Houston. Like it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know where they're finding these. But, we're, but we have a lot of agents in our office and we hear about it before it hits the market. So. Oh, cool. You know. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Most of them are kind of in town, right? Most, yeah, of, most them. of them yeah. are, are in town. They're older. A lot of them need to be renovated, but I mean, it's, it, the, a lot of them are in up and coming neighborhoods too. Yeah. yeah. East downtown, you know, those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Camden's got a, a good question about. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, on, on actually, very good question. On jumbo loans, right now, the rates are even actually a little bit less than than the conforming loans, the, the larger ones. So there's not a there's not a pattern. So in my experience, sometimes the jumbo loans are higher and sometimes they're lower. It just depends about demand and what the market, you know, it, it kind of has to do with kind of Wall Street stuff that's even over my head. I'm like, just what's the rate? I don't care how the sausage is made. I just want to know how the rate is, you know, but there's a lot of inner workings behind the scenes that the lenders want more of the larger loans. So they give a premium by lowering the rate to attract more of those loans. So I don't know. It just depends on how, I mean, a mortgage note is a mortgage bond. Like it's literally a security that's bought and sold on wall street, you know, in the secondary market. So it, it depends. But right now in 2023, the jumbo loans currently are lower than the other types of loans currently. So it's a, it's a current phenomenon. Um, a lot of people ask me about down payment assistance. Um, you may not know this, but down payment assistance, there are some within like subcategories of some of these that you don't have to be a first-time buyer. So the the most popular ones with the state of Texas, so the federal government passes money to the states and lets the states distribute assistance. And that's another reason to use, uh, consider a local lender in this, at least in the state, that's in the state that you wanna buy in. If someone's watching this and they're not in our area, you know, if they're watching us on YouTube, that you know, they're going to know, like, I wouldn't want to do a loan in Missouri because I don't know what kind of state assistance in Missouri there is. And I might be doing the client a disservice by not being able to let them know about that. Right. So in the state of Texas, there's a couple of divisions in the state affordable housing and state Texas department of housing. Um, so those acronyms are what we call, we call that TSAC and TDAC is what we call mortgage lingo. And within each of those, there's two to three subcategories of programs underneath those departments. So we we want to see what you qualify for. There are income limits where you can make too much money. One of the limits is 92,000. 
one is about 110. So if you start to make more than that, you're overqualified for the assistance. Some you have to be a first-time buyer, some you don't. But the, the common thread is that you need to have at least a 620 credit score. Uh, you need to make under a certain amount, those, those thresholds that I mentioned. And really, those are the only requirements. You have to just be buying a house in the state of Texas. You don't have to be a native Texan. You know, you can be moving here from out of state and still use the assistance. Um, and then there is the city of Houston. Uh, the city of Houston gives actually $30,000 in one of their programs. You just have to buy within the Houston city limits. So that's the one thing that is sometimes a little bit limiting is just where people can live in the city limits for, you know, price range and et cetera, for what they're looking for. Um, and then there's a mortgage credit certificate. That's a national thing where you basically get up to $2,000 a year annual refund on your tax return. So you do have to pay some money up front at closing for this. It's about it's about $1,000 in extra fees, but then every year on your tax return, you'll get this 2,000 back. Now there are income limits on this as well. So if you exceed that, um, you're not eligible for this certificate, but you could Google, you know, any of these terms and, and start to read about it. You could also contact me and I'll, yeah. you know, I'll have my contact info at the end and I'm happy to get you the information as well. Um, so just basically, um, pre-qualification versus pre-approval. When I mentioned that, like, you want someone to be asking you lots of questions, like you want to feel a little bit annoyed that like, that's a good thing. Like, oh, these documents and that's a good thing. Pre-qualification just means that they've checked your credit and you're breathing. Like, that's it. Like nothing has been verified. They haven't verified employment. We haven't looked at a pay stub. We haven't looked at a bank account for large deposits or any kind of stuff. So you really definitely want to get a more thorough overview and have someone look at your documents. That is what a pre-approval is. We're actually truly pre-approving you. Like we have our underwriter look at it and everything. You should start the, I think you should start the process six months in advance. So we did talk about that just to be able to do some homework and movements and be prepared and start knowing what your max threshold is. So you can like, you know, go crazy at night looking online and make sure Linda and Sophia can, you know, send you the right types of properties that are going to fit that criteria that you, that you've identified beforehand. Um, we did talk, actually, we already talked about the income. You need to have two years history. It doesn't have to be at the same job. Exception is if you were in school, the down payment as a first time buyer can be as little as 3%, which is amazing. You can always put down more than that. No problem. Second time buyer, you have to put down at least 5% down. Um, credit. We talked about that already. 700s is the most ideal, but there are programs, uh, that remember had some of those loan limit. Uh, if, if you, if you really have credit in the 600s and you're putting a low down payment, we're likely going FHA and that's a max loan of 472. Um, so if you needed to have a loan higher than that, we would need to really do a simulation and help you give you some pointers to help get your credit up into that 700 plus range. Uh, debt to income ratio, normally just 
run of the mill, 45% is a safe bet for most, for most loans. So your gross, if my gross income is $10,000 a month, my max total debt between house payment, cars, credit cards, and everything monthly is 45%, which is $4,500. So if I have a big, huge honking car payment, that's going to dig into what I can afford as a house. And we see that. <laughs> we see people that make not very much money and they have $800 car payments. I mean, there's no judgment over here. I'm just saying that like, if you really want the house, trade in your car and like drive a Jetta. Like that's what I'm like, y'all need to go to CarMax and you need to trade that in. They're like, we really want the house. I'm like, okay, I'm giving you some options here. Like you got to trade it in and get a lower payment. So sometimes even though you can qualify for 4,500, it doesn't mean that all that can be the house payment. Cause you've got a car and you've got, you know, possibly a student loan and you've got all these things. Okay. All these other things. Um, so, you know, maintain your credit and your debt. I know I've been going a really long time and you're probably just glazed over by now, but these are just some, some tips we are going to, um, we're going to send you, uh, I'll send you all these slides. Those of you that attended, that's just a bonus for y'all that we'll send you, I'll send you a Google link with, uh, the slides. Um, and just here's some things about credit. You know, you want to keep credit cards at 30% of your limit. Um, you don't want to, you want to have at least like less than 15% of your total disposable, you know, income allocated to monthly payments. That's just kind of some good, these are just some good things to, to know, but we'll send this to you and you guys can read over it. And I've got videos about it too. So I'll send you some of those. Um, you know, taking the first step, a lot of people just hesitate. They know they need to call the lender. They're like, ah, I just, I don't know. And it's really not this big, scary process if you talk to the right people. So definitely get recommendations from your realtor, from friends, from people that have like, hey, who did you use when you bought your house? You know, from colleagues and try to get some trusted recommendations. It doesn't mean that you're not going to talk to an online lender, but it at least gives you a great starting point. Um, and just, you know, be prepared for basic documentation. I do have a QR code here that I have a, a download of a free documentation checklist that you can download just to be prepared when the time comes. So feel free to scan that um, and, and get some get some info there. And then you're ready. You're ready to start looking at houses with, with Linda and Zofia. So that's it. I know I've talked a long time. So any, any questions? Y'all had some great questions so far. No questions. Okay, cool. Well, I'll send y'all some, um, I'll send y'all some good videos when I send the email to y'all. Um, after this, we'll send some good starter videos to get you to my get you to my channel to start consuming some some info. So, and then if you want to get a discovery call with me, just a 10, 15 minute call to just talk, you know, I like to hear about your situation and give you some pointers. Another QR code, feel free to scan it. It takes you right to my calendar and you just schedule for whenever you want. So feel free. Okay, so now you've got the loan and I've said, hey, this is your max. And that is when you contact your realtor and say, I have this letter. And so there you and go. And we're ready. 
then you're ready. You want to do this one? You want me to do it? I can do it. All right. So once we start looking for a house, (laughs) Jen put this this slide together about home search etiquette, which I love. (laughs) So first of all, communicate with us. Tell us what your expectations are as far as timeline and your availability. Uh, Because if we know when you're available and how quickly you want to be in a house, then we can plan better on our end as well. Uh, You know, time frame. Don't call us and say, hey, I'm out in front of the house and I want to see it right now. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Please. Please, please don't do that. Most homes, especially when they're occupied, have a minimum of a one hour notice. And also Linda and I, you know, we're, we're busy realtors. We do have more than one client. <laughs> so, so we've got to schedule things too. So, you know, send us the properties that you want to see and you know, preferably like the day before, maybe even two days before. And that gives us time to get everything scheduled and, and uh, you know, find, find out if the house is even available. Um, not so, 20 in one day either. That... Yeah, not 20 in one day. We want to limit it to like six, maybe seven in one day. I because... made the mistake once. I did a bunch in one day. And I was yeah. exhausted. Yeah. It's exhausting. And all the houses start looking the same. And you don't remember what they are. We don't even remember what they look like anymore. So, you know, six, seven houses max. Um, you know, wish list of your perfect home. We talked about that a little bit earlier, you know, what your must-haves are, what would be nice to have, but you know, focus on those must-haves. Uh, so, and based on the, on the needs you communicate to us, or we will be sending you homes based on those criteria. Feedback. We need feedback. If we have completely misunderstood what you want, and you're wondering why are we sending you these houses, pick up the phone and call us, send us an email, shoot us a text. Or maybe you realize, hey, I thought I wanted to live in a townhouse, but I really don't. I want to be in a single family now because I realized I really need a yard or I need this or that. You need to keep those lines of communication open. So once you do send us these properties, we will then take care of, of qualifying the property, making sure it's still available, seeing if there are, maybe there's multiple offers on it already, and then we can get the appointment set up. Uh, Ask, um, let's see, what is this next one? Oh, so ask, we're going to ask you to set, set up your app so that you can, so this would be like the har.com app. Um, Go ahead and set it up on your phone so that you can easily search for um, you know, schools, uh, distance, uh, driving distance, all that. I mean, it will all be available at your fingertips. If you visit an open house, great, go see the open house, but be sure to let the agent know that you do have a realtor. And that way, one, they'll leave you alone <laughs> when you walk through the house. Um, and also, if you have any questions, you know, you, you're, that realtor will know that, you know, we need to talk and we will gather all that information for you. And remember- And don't that- let them convince you that you have to go with them because they're the ones showing you the home that day. I've heard that one before, but they're like, well, you have to work with me because I represent the home. That is not true. That's not true. You- that's not true. you have hired us. That's why we're there okay. to help. Yes. And remember that whoever you decide to work with, and hopefully it'll be us, we work as your advocate. We are in um, 
you know, we, we are in your corner and we will do everything we need to do to protect your interests to make sure you get the best deal. And, and we get paid at the closing table. You know, we work on commission. So yeah, that's, and that's, that's our final goal. But at the, the end of the day, is it the most important thing to me and Linda? No, the most important thing is taking care of our clients and we are not going to be, we're not pushy. We are not going to try and get you to spend more than, than you are comfortable with or to make an offer on a house that you don't feel comfortable with. We are going to treat you like we would our own kids. And that, that is really important to us. And if you decide at the end of the day, hey, you know what? I'm not ready to buy a house. We're okay with that. We want now, to we are tough when it comes to negotiating, though. That's yeah. when we really, like, we mama bear into it. We oh, yeah. Really, we, totally, yeah. we totally mama bear. Yep. They're, yeah. they're good at mama bear. <laughs> yeah. Do so, our next, are we ready for the next slide? Okay. No. Well, I was going to say, any questions on that? Yeah, I think the next slide is questions. Any questions on looking at homes? We're good. And, and I, I just do want to comment that looking at homes, some people do it in a weekend and they're ready to go. And some people, it takes time, you know, like I always suggest like drive it on the weekend, drive it when it's raining. That's another reason to get pre-approved six months out. So you're like, okay, I know that this price range is where I need to land and, and you can start you know, looking around and driving neighborhoods, like, is this going to be, is this going to work for me? Is this going to be, you know, commutable to work or commutable to where you play, like Linda mentioned, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's super important. So it, the timeline is yours. Like it can take you a month. It can take you a week. It can take you five months. It can take you longer than that. Everybody's just different. There's no rhyme or reason. It's Trust your instincts. You. If you like it, I had a client that liked the very first home they saw, but they had been told that they had to look at others to be sure. And we went and looked at others. It's like, no, I still like the first one. I'm like, well, then that's your instinct. You'll know when you walk in, you'll know whether you like it or not. You know, you'll trust it. It's okay to trust if that If you instinct. don't like it, we don't it's have okay to pay. We don't have to look at the whole house. Okay. If we walk in and you go, oh no, then let's turn around and go to look, look at the next one. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Yeah. And please don't stay. I had a, we, we joke about this, but we had a client that said, I don't like it, but still continue to walk around and flick on all and off all the switches. And I'm like, but okay, it's okay. We can leave now. They're like, no, we still want to see it. I'm like, but you don't like it. <laughs> I, I was very confused by that, but it does happen. You know, it's okay it to say dating. no. You know, it's, it's kind of like dating, you know, you meet that yeah, person at the bar and you're like, oh, I need to call my emergency person. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Exactly. It's okay to walk away. It is. Okay. You know, and, and, and we do tend to fall in love with, you know, your homes as well, too. I, I know that there are certain homes that I I've helped clients, you know, purchase that still have, you know, there, there's, there's, I, I will still talk to them. I was like, oh my gosh, I still love this in your closet, you know, such as an alpha system. You know, I, I, I will go back and still say it to them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, somebody direct messaged me on that. So I had to bring it up. And so, and actually say it that I do, there are, I do have alpha closet system envies. So, yeah. So they, and um, anyway, I got thrown off. Any questions, any further questions on that? No. 
All right. So let's, you know, make it, we, we make an, an offer and negotiate. That is something that I know that we sit down with you. And I know that it's really hard to go through those contracts on your phone. So a lot of times I will ask you if you want to meet, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of time, Zoom, and we go over everything so that when you're signing that contract, you understand what you're signing. Mm-hmm. And we will do that. We will sit there and we will explain everything to you so that when you're ready to go and make an offer, we're ready. If there's, you know, multiple offers, then we will talk about it and we, the listing agent will let us know that there's, you know, multiple offers so that we can sit there and, and figure out, you know, what you want to do in this situation. And we will, we'll talk to you and we'll talk it out. We'll, you know, bounce the ideas of what you want to do. Well, you can expect back and forth negotiation. One of the, one of the questions I get asked, when will we hear back? Well, it really depends on, you know, whether there's a timeline, whether there's a deadline, whether, you know, normally agents do have to contact you back within the cert, you know, like 24 hours. And now, especially there is, um, you know, we got so busy that there's actually a new law coming into place that an agent must respond within a certain amount of time. I don't know if y'all heard that, um, but that is now something that's coming into effect that they have 48 hours to respond to us. So we do have a definite, you know, timeline now of when a agent will be getting back in touch with us. And then once the offer is accepted, that's what I, our timeline begins. Our clock starts to go, but we will tell you, we will send you an email and we'll say, okay, here we are on this day. You know, this is due by this. Earnest money is this. We tell you everything. A typical closing will take anywhere from 25 to 30 days, depending on how, what we negotiated. And another thing that we do is we make sure that we're, as soon as that offer is accepted, we're sending everything to the lender so the lender is well aware of what's going on so that they can begin what they're working on. You know, we're kind of parallel paths working towards the same end goal, you know. And then there's um, some things you have to do on the contract. That's the next slide. I have everything printed, so I already know what comes up next. So, I don't mean to slack. I'm slacking. No, no, no. You're not slacking at all. It's just that that's why I, I'm not. I don't have a crystal ball. I just printed everything ahead of time to keep myself on task. So typically whenever we've gone under contract, then begins, you know, you have to give up that money, that 1%. I just had a recent um, first-time home buyer that, you know, was very concerned about that 1%. Am I getting that back? Am I getting that credit back? And I, even though she's heard me say it many, many times, because she is re- a relative, my child, she still was concerned, even like, you know, this, that 1% that you're turning over will be credited back to you. It's not getting lost. It's not going away. And, and I reemphasize it again, it will be credited back to you. The only time you lose your earnest money is if you're out of option period and you change your mind, you know, but all of this you is explained to you. Well, yeah, if you breach the contract. Yeah, you're a breach of contract. Yeah. Right. And then we're pretty good about uh, inspections. You know, we'll be like, uh, we will tell you, it's like, okay, get that inspection. And we want you to do it as soon as possible. When we're putting in offers, we start giving you those names of inspectors if you don't already have some. And again, talk to your friends. If somebody's already bought, they will tell you who to go with that that happens, you know, referrals. And let's get that done as soon as possible so that we can, you have a right during that option period to be able to have other contractors come out and look at things that they may have found on the inspection report and talk to your lender 
as soon as you go on a contract as well too and say, is there anything I need to do need to do on my end? Do you need more information? Because that will keep the lending process going as well. And lock in your rate. One of those um, misconceptions is that your rate is locked when you get that pre-approval letter. No, your rate is not locked until there's a contract in hand and that contract's been given to the lender. And so that's when your rate is locked. You know, I, I, I've heard this, but my rate was this. And I said, yes, but that was two months ago. Mm-hmm. It may have changed. Sometimes it's gone higher. Sometimes it's gone lower. And, and you know, but no, no rate is locked. On, no matter what lender you work with, no rate is locked until that contract is in. And then the other thing that we do is we reach out to the title company. Title company is what's going to be facilitating the closing. They will they will need information. They will get that contract and they will be doing their their part to get everybody to the closing table as well too. Skip into the next slide. Any questions on making an offer? No questions. Okay. That's okay. Next. And that's like, I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it too. Like so many details. And that's really where your lender and, and realtor do, you know, sync together whether they referred you to them or not, like that they're in communication because it, it is a lot. There's a lot of moving parts and you just, you know, so you just want to show up and let us tell you like, you need to do this next. You need to do this. I don't know. That's how I work. I'm our, like, just, our, our I just want to be a robot. Just tell me what I need to do. <laughs> We're handholding, you know, um, yeah, very much so through the entire process. Um, I know. And again, I know I reference a lot to, you know, my kids, um, but I did have one that signed everything and she goes, well, I just signed it because you sent it to me. I made her come down where she, <laughs> from where she was and made her read it all with me. She was so annoyed, but it was the fact she was like, but I trust you. And I'm like, no, you are going to understand yeah, you what you know. signed you and I will do, yeah. I, we do that. No. Yeah. Yes. We want you to understand. We want you to understand every aspect, what your rights are, what you have a right to do. You have a right to do so many things. And we want to make sure that you understand where everything is going. And again, that mama bear and us, uh, that this is why I work so well with these ladies, because they have the same philosophy. We are going to handhold you. I say that every time I recommend um, either one of them, I'm like, they will handhold you. They will talk to you. They will answer every question. They will communicate. And that is so key in such a big step in your life, you know? So again, any, we finalized the financing. That's Jen. Yay. (laughs) So once you're under contract, let the lender know right away. So a misconception, actually a myth, and Linda would never let you do this, but, um, some borrowers think, oh, I've got this option period to get inspected. I'll just wait until after that to, to let my lender know. You actually need to let us know before so we can get some things going that are pertinent to the property disclosures and things like that. And then if, it, if you back out because of the inspections or for any reason, don't worry. We'll just, we'll just spark it new on the new one, not, not wasted time. So just make sure to be in, in con- contact with your lender right away when you get under contract. It's super important, but a good realtor is going to let you know that anyway. So it's, you don't really have to remember because they won't let you go astray. Um, you know, you are going to get, like Linda mentioned, the rate, the interest rate is not locked until you're under contract. So once you're under contract, you want to talk to the the lender as soon as possible. 
and say, hey, I'm under contract. I want to get kind of what current rates are, et cetera. So they're going to give you what's called a loan estimate. Uh, I actually have a video about it, how to read a loan estimate. So you could watch that when the time comes. Um, you know, you want to get one, you know, you, you might've already checked it out and decided who your lender is going to be beforehand. You might still be shopping around. So when you're comparing lenders, you know, you definitely want to look, you know, at the two and look side by side, um, make sure that it's apples to apples. There's a lot, it's, it's an overwhelming process to look at these things. That's why the loan, loan estimate is a standard form. Um, that's, that's a federal form that we can give you so that you're looking at a similar document, um, and, and do get these estimates on the same day and try to do the same type of uh, time of day or like range of time. Rates do change. They don't train. They usually don't change drastically from day to day, but it has been known to happen. The market's pretty volatile sometimes, and so a, a rate in the morning could be gone in the afternoon. You know, it could be 6.5 and then it could be 6.625 by the afternoon. I mean, you just don't ever know. Um, so you're not supposed to know, like it's, you're not normally watching those kind of things. So it it is in real time with what Wall Street is doing. And so it is a little bit fickle. So like, don't sit on an estimate for days and days or a week and say, oh yeah, I want this rate that was a week ago. I mean, things could have drastically changed, okay? Um, do compare side to side on the lender fees. Any fees other than the lender fees, the lender doesn't control anyway. We're just guessing like, okay, this is what we think taxes will be. This is what we think insurance will be. So, so really you wanna compare the lender fees to the lender fees. Um, not, not just go to the bottom line, like, oh, this one's cash to close this and yours is lower or higher. So really get, if the lender is not explaining these things to you, cause it's not, you know, it's not going to just come to you innately, you know, you need to, to really worry if they're not thoroughly explaining things to you. So you understand, like, that's a, a good sign of a good lender. Um, is that you want to make sure they're answering your questions, okay? And you want to look for accuracy. If they're making a bunch of mistakes and there's always typos, that's, you know, kind of a sign um, that you might need to get that second opinion going just to make sure you've got your best interests looked, looked out for. You know, and that leads to factors other than rate. Like sometimes it it really is not all about rate. I know that we all think that it is, but there are other factors, you know, like, who do I trust? Who's answering my questions? Who's going to make sure I don't have blind spots? Who's going to, you know, there's, there's other, you know, who's going to, I'm really super slammed at work. Who's going to respond the way I need to on text and email and all of those things really do matter. Um, and so make sure you pay attention to those signs, uh, as well. Um, and the lender coordinates all of these things. We, ver you know, after you're under contract, we're going to verify employment. Again, your money's for closing. We're going to refresh credit if it's been a few months. We coordinate the appraisal. We work with the title company, the realtors to make sure everything gets where it needs to go. And then we're going to send our documents uh, right before the closing, a couple days before we send all the final loan documents that you're going to that you're going to sign on the day of closing. Usually closing is at the title company. We'll go through next kind of closing day. Uh, but is there any questions about 
final uh, financing, finalizing your financing. And then we're going to do the last step, which is closing day. Super exciting. Okay. We may have answered a lot of questions along the way. Yeah. They had a lot of great questions already. Okay. Really closing day. It's just a timeline with some, with some days, you know, things really start cranking like a week before closing. Um, I do, I do say that a lot to the clients. I'm like, listen, guys, it may be quiet for a little bit, but a week before we're going to pick up that pace right again, you know, and I tell them what to expect, just like it's written here. And I, you know, we do begin to schedule things again, like that walkthrough. I tell them to keep looking at their emails because they're going to be getting that, you know, closing disclosure from their lender. You know, we set up the time for closing. I tell them to not, please don't go do anything. Like don't go buy a car. Don't, 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 don't go to Vegas. Don't go to Vegas and, and gamble away your down payment. Please don't do that. That is a true I had a story. Client do that. <laughs> so, you know, I had a client that bought a car the day before closing. I, you know, I was, I, it just gave me anxiety. You know, you don't want to make a lot of changes, you know, make sure don't that you're not. Jobs. Don't change jobs. <laughs> don't change jobs. But if you do, if you do, yeah. tell your lender. Uh, yes. <laughs> it please matter. be honest. Yes. Please be honest about everything. Don't, you know, just have everything with you. We're going to, I start to tell them to make sure they have a form of ID, how you're going to take your, uh, how you're going to make your down payment or your closing costs, how you, you know, whether you're going to wire, whether you're going to get a cashier's check, please don't come to the closing table and say at that point, how do I wire the money? But that actually happened. And I was like, I, we had discussed it so many times, but still decided to wait. Oh, I thought I could do it at closing and wire the money here. Yeah. We have these conversations over and over. And, and I think that's one of the things that we're doing a lot in this video is it's a lot of repetition, but it may be because sometimes you're so overwhelmed with everything that it may not all sink in and that's okay. Cause I will continue to say things and I will continue to ask and I will continue to send emails. And so we'll, so will um, the lender and the title company, but we get there. We're so excited. You know, we, we have everything in place and, you know, you have your ID, you have the paper signed and it takes about, you know, that's another thing that is a real big thing. Make sure you plan the time with work, you know, because you have to make, it's not just something you do in five minutes. We're going to be there signing paperwork. It's a wet signature. It's getting a little bit more efficient these days. I've noticed that, you know, we can do some of the things ahead of time with some DocuSign, but mm -hmm. it, you still have to do some wet signatures. And um, another thing that is a real big is that just because we sign doesn't mean that, okay, house is yours. No, we have to get funding. It's not until the house, not until the, the financial part has funded, do you own that home? You know, and that's one of those, they're ready to get the keys there. And it's like, until we get that funding, it is not your home. So when, and I have to say, because I have to do that plug, that shameless plug, that they are very quick about doing their funding because I have twice now had movers on ready to go. I could plan the movers knowing as well that, you know, Legacy Mutual would fund us on a good timeline and get us there. So, you know, and then that's it. We're home. Yeah. Fun, fun. Any, any fun questions? Begins. That's it, y'all. It's right. just that that's easy. It. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that easy. Yeah. That's it. That it's it's done. I appreciate the people that came on tonight. I, I have to say. I yes. really, really do. Y'all stuck it out the entire time. You know, yeah, here's um, our contact info. Um, just to that's the thing now. QR code me. <laughs> definitely, please contact us, interview us, interview. And if you know, if it doesn't work, interview and if you're not from Texas, you know. We can, you know, help you find somebody in an area where you want to work. But, you know, definitely, you know, we are always here to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow, and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.